Clubhouse. Welcome to the Pop Culture Review Podcast. This is Caroline. And this is Paul. This is Jack. And this is Elizabeth. Tonight we're looking back at the week that was for the week of February 26th to March 4th of 2023. This week we have special guests with us, Jack and Elizabeth, because they went to a special Hill Country Comic Con and they want to tell us all about it, Paul. It was quite the event. I mean, it's a smaller venue, a smaller event, but it had the key guests that we were looking for for our audience. Jack, tell us a little bit about where this was. It was in New Braunfels, Texas. Why were you going to this? What was there for you guys? We got to meet the original Ninja Turtles voice cast for the very first time. What? Like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, like from the cartoons? Yes. Who makes up that cast, Elizabeth? They are Rob Paulson, Barry Gordon, Townsend Coleman, Renee Jacobs, and my favorite, Cam Clark. (laughs) <laughs> so Renee Jacobs, they even had April O'Neil. They did. Wow. It's my understanding that when the foursome of the turtles travel, they don't always have April O'Neil with them. Wow. So this was a big deal. Jack, did you have a turtle that was one of your favorites? I liked Cam Clark because I recorded him and it was nice meeting him the first time. So tell us a little bit about that. So this was a kind of con where people can pay money and they can they can actually meet the actors? Why, yes. Tell us about that, Elizabeth. What was that like? It was amazing. I get to talk with him for the very first time. He's the one who recorded birthday messages for me three years ago. Wow, and so that's Cam Clark, right? That's right. Tell us a little bit about Cam Clark and the characters that he plays. Well, first of all, I'm a big Snoopy geek fan. He's the voice of Snoopy. Wow, I didn't even realize Snoopy had a voice. Well, he's not the only one who voiced Snoopy. Robert Towers did the voice of Snoopy back in 1985 when he did the animated version of You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. And he did my favorite song, Snoopy's Big Debut, in the Flash Beaker soundtrack. Well, sometimes he usually voiced Leonardo or Dark Tanyan or... Even Mac from Clifford the Big Rag Dog. Do you have a favorite character that he does? That's a good question. My favorite guest of all is probably Dog Tanyan. Wow, and I know that you are a cosplayer, right? So you like to wear costumes to these events. True. Okay, so what kind of costume did you wear for this one? I get to be a Dog Tanyan. And what is Dog Tanyan for those people who've never seen Dog Tanyan before? It's a classic show back since 1981. It's based on the book The Three Musketeers. And this show has animals in it. Those dogs and uh, cats and even a mouse. So are these guys called musketeers? Actually, they, they're called muskethounds because they're musketeers for dogs. Ah, so what was special about coming as Dog Tanyan with Cam Clark? What did he let you know about you and the Muskehounds? I learned that I have courage and bravery in my brand new school. Wow, so was he going to say that you get to be a Muskehound? Yes, 
It was about let's see, two years ago, Mark D'Artagnan's fortieth anniversary. Wow! And he let you become a muskethound with one of them. Yes, that's amazing. I love that. So when you got to meet Cam Clark, Jack, you said you were recording Elizabeth, right? Right. So what kind of stuff were, did you guys all talk about? Well, they. Mainly talked about how he got to meet Dad for the first time. How Cam Clark got to meet Paul. Yep. Wow, that's something Cam Clark wanted to meet Dad. Yeah, he was very happy to meet me. <laughs> What's that about? Are you also a muskehound? Nothing to know of. I mean, I'm the point of contact for our family and uh, Cam yeah. Clark. So yeah, he, he'd been aware of us for a little while and and was was happy to finally put a name to a face. I love that. Or a face to a name, or however face that works. To a name or name to a face, however, yeah, exactly. You guys are starting to talk to him. Everything's going good. Now, did he rush you away, Elizabeth? Did it was he like I don't have any time for you? Nope. But we did gotta take a picture at the end of it. So you guys got a long time with him, is that right? Almost 10 minutes, Elizabeth. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty amazing. Was he your favorite autograph that you got? Yes. What kinds of things did he autograph for you? DVD covers. And some artwork and uh, some books. And he was pretty impressed with the stuff that you had, is that right? Yep. Now, why hadn't he seen all of your stuff before? Dog Tanyon is a pretty obscure property these days, and it was primarily ever aired in Europe. Having a set of DVDs that works in North America like Elizabeth said, is a pretty rare thing and so rare that I don't think Cam had actually seen a set. And so when he saw Elizabeth's, he asked if he could take a picture of her set. Wow. That's pretty amazing, huh? Okay, so now you guys brought up the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Are you a big fan of them? Oh, shell, yeah, we are. Yeah, you guys are? So what's going on? What's new for the Turtles? Well, last year they released a brand new video game. After all these 35 years... On being on network television, this is the very first video game that the, had the original Turtle Foursome voice cast they got. I'm talking about Rob Paulson, Barry Gordon, Townsend Coleman, and Cam Clark. They were all in it. Did, is that video game already out right now? Like, people can go play it? Yes, they do. That's amazing. I love that so much. Jack, did you get a chance to meet any of the Turtles? I got to meet Townsend Coleman, who I shook hands with, and was patted by Rob Paulson. You apparently. were patted? What does that mean? He gave me quite a pat on the arm. <laughs> he did. I love that. I heard that he also gave Dad big hugs. Is that true, Dad? He did. He did. He had a very um, emphatic moment with me where he just wanted to thank me for bringing the kids. How happy he was to have multi-generational fans like in our house. He wanted to heartily thank me, and he ended it with with a with an actual hug. I was surprised. <laughs> That's awesome, Jack. Did you get a chance to meet any of the other turtles? Well, I met Barry Gordon. Tell me about him. I don't know very much about Barry. He was in SWAT Cats, believe it or not, as Razor. Elizabeth, what do you know about him? He recorded his first number one. I'm getting nothing for Christmas. <laughs> That's what he said. He said that during the panel, didn't he? Yeah. Because he was being so funny. So when he was a little kid, he actually recorded a record. Is that right? That's right. I'm getting nothing for Christmas, right? Correct. Awesome. So what other things have some of these voice actors done? But then what? who else did you guys meet? Townsend Coleman. Now tell me about Townsend. I remember the time when I got to show my dad cartoons all stars to the rescue. It's about this special 
announcement about kids can't do drugs. That's right. I'm talking to you, everybody who listens to our podcast viewer kids out there. All you have to do is just to believe in yourself. Don't be a fool on drugs. You're excellent just the way you are. Without drugs. Was this a message that Townsend Coleman delivered in something? That's right. He did with all the other animated characters. All right. Oh, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So, Elizabeth, you talked to Rob Paulson, too. And I know he talked to you about the water tower a little bit because he is a voice of one of the Animaniacs. That's true. This year marks the 100th anniversary of the Warner Brothers Studios in Hollywood, California. So what is it that he told you about the water tower? And who does he play? He play Yago, one of the Warner siblings. And what did he tell you about that water tower? That's where his home lived. I mean it, really. They were all really impressed with Elizabeth's depth of voice actory knowledge. <laughs> so just to be clear for our listeners, because you guys don't have a chance to see us, while Paul and I are over here using notes, Elizabeth knows all these facts off the top of her head. So when she's giving you dates and shows and different things that they've done this is just stuff that elizabeth has in her head just easy knowledge that the rest of us are scrambling to find on the internet so for sure if you guys have any questions about rob paulson or cam clark or if you want to talk to us a little bit about meeting the teenage mutant ninja turtles what that experience was like you guys can definitely write us over at pod clubhouse we're on instagram we're on facebook we're on twitter you can come on over and you can see us at everything give us a lot of questions about this If you're wondering if you want to go to Hill Country Comic Con, Jack, what could you tell them that they could see about the exhibits? What kind of things did you see around the the con? I noticed Burton Gilliam from Blazing Saddles. Yeah, so he was one of the actors that you could get an autograph from? Apparently, yes. And they also had Dean Kane. Last year, they had a couple Power Rangers. There was Guy Gilchrist signing autographs. Yeah, famed cartoonist. 2015. You forgot about that one too, Dad. I remember the time that Jack was Jim Henson. That's when we first (laughs) met Guy, right? That's the first time we met him, but Guy's been around a really long time. Like, he was good friends with Jim Henson, so he's been in the biz a really long time, and actually, he was so cool to our family that we actually commissioned Muppet Baby versions of Jack and Elizabeth to be drawn by Guy Kilchrist. They're amazing, and I love them, and they he captured them perfectly. Yes, Love it so much. Let's see. So um, these kinds of cons always have uh, an exhibition floor. You'll find your thousands of Funko Pops at dozens of booths. So once you kind of flush those out of your mind, because how many Funko Pops am I going to need? So I start to look for what else is there. So you have some authors, some artisans, toys, that kind of stuff. We bought some great souvenirs. I bought an autistic zombie book. Yeah, that was a really interesting booth, right? The author had a whole bunch of different types of books that included this uh, character who had autism, who somehow this helps her defeat the zombies in a zombie apocalypse, right? Right. Pretty creative stuff out there. What other booths did you see? Well, there was this booth with journals having ridiculous sayings. We bought one for Aunt Kate on her birthday. (laughs) Oh my God, Jack. (laughs) But what other kind of booths did you see? I like the comic book section. I got another Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comic book. 
I saw they had tons of specials if you wanted to buy like all four of the action figures for the turtles or if you wanted to buy all kinds of turtle t-shirts and things like that. They had all types of things available. This is the type of con where you feel like anyone can go, right? Like all ages. Was this something that you think that people could bring their family to, Jack? Well, yes, apparently. Elizabeth, what did you think about the panels? What kind of panels did you go in and see? We got to watch the legendary voice acting panel. Cam Clark, Barry Gordon, Townsend Coleman, Rob Ponson, Renee Jacobs, and Maurice LaMarge from Animaniacs, Piggy and the Brain, and the final one, Piggy and Mama and the Brain. He also does the voice of Toucan Sam for Fruit Loops for like 30 years, and he also did... Car commercials, a ton he of voices. Yosemite Sam. Yes, Yosemite Sam. He's, he's done, you've heard his voice. Beyond the brain, you've heard his voice. Even if you don't know it's him, it's him doing announcing because he's got a very thundery, deep rumble of a, of a voice that he can draw from when he needs to. And he even does a Vincent Price impression. He sure does. I went to a booth with pictures having humorous sayings like, let's find a cure for stupid people. Oh my goodness, that's so silly, huh? We brought that one home. Oh my lord. <laughs> so Comic-Cons have tons of different stuff, right? You guys, people might think it's just one big room full of comics, but that's not really what Comic-Cons are about, right? Oh no, they are an excuse for people that ordinarily don't like to hang out with large groups of people to hang out with a large group of people who also like doing the exact same thing as them. And so they get to do cosplay. There were plenty of cosplayers there. There were professional cosplayers there. And this is a pretty low stakes one. This hasn't got the kind of intimidation factor of of a San Diego Comic-Con or something like that where there's so much going on and you don't know what to do and where is everything. This is a very small venue with a family-friendly focus. Elizabeth, would you recommend this con to other people? Well, of course they can. You, you do recommend it to them? Yes, I do. Okay, so now if the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle gang are going to be at another con, do you think people should go see them? Well, of course they can. What kinds of things were, do they talk about in the panel that people might be interested in? Oh, all kinds of stories about the time that who's going to be Leonardo and who's going to be Michelangelo. And then in the first one, they're going to record the first lines and then do another pass, but they did not did it. They didn't switch spots. So so even though they read for different turtles, they ended up just staying with the turtle they had they had auditioned for to begin with, huh? Yeah. How funny. So they talked a lot about the audition process. They talked about how voice acting has changed a ton, right, over the years. How at the beginning it was very small and there was only just like a handful of people. But now people like us who are podcasters or kids at home, if they want to submit audition tapes, they can do that without having to go through the big process that, that this group would have had to do back in the day. And they say it's a, the industry is worse off for it. Part of the thing that they talked a lot about was it seemed like that the younger generations they feel did not have the respect or the, the grasp of all that being in a union offers. So they talked a lot about how much more money you can make in residuals if you stay in the union and work on union projects instead of going out there and doing non-union projects or not joining the union because yes maybe you make some quick money but you're missing out on all the residuals and all the like much better contracts that are out there for union members and what's surprising about that or at least for me is that they they didn't really want to name 
names per se, but they were dropping enough hints to suggest that voiceover work that you and I experience every day in terms of like either the size of a company being on TV, a radio, commercial, movie, whatever. If you were to assume that the voice that you're hearing with that voiceover was was put there in the normal fashion, such as following union guidelines, you might be wrong. And that's what they were saying was that national jobs are going to lowest bidders in a way that that didn't happen before. Well, and when they compared some of the actual money amounts that like, you know, that like the Toucan Sam that like, you know, he was able to make residuals in like 60 to $80,000 a year off of making six commercials, whereas a non-union person came in and did it for like $1,500, which is okay for that, for the company. But like, uh, like as actors, they're missing out on a whole bunch of money there by not doing it through the union. So they were very pro-union. They had a lot to say about it. <laughs> quite, quite a bit for this audience, actually. They did, but with the writer's strike coming in May, I think that this is all on the tip of everyone's tongue. People are feeling very, very much like they want to show their solidarity for unions and the importance of it and what the difference is between doing union work and non-union work. That's not something that this group really wanted to hear a lot about, mainly because there was a lot of kids in the audience for, for the Turtles panel. So, you know, they were a little like, what is this union talk? You know, yeah. but I think it was great. Anyway, I know that you guys were thinking about some questions. I know we didn't get a chance to do questions with the turtles, but if you could have, was there any questions that you would have asked them? Well, actually, oh, I remember. I heard that the turtles are going to Wales coming this May. Can you believe it? They travel all over together now. I love that they had a whole story about how that started. Who brought them together to start doing the cons? Do you remember? Which turtle was the one who was most interested in it? Rob Paulson. He was the one who gathered them together and said, you guys, I think we could do this if we all went together. So that was pretty cool because they actually pulled some out of, the ret- out of retirement and, you know, they decided to do this together. I think they were amazing to see together. Was it so fun for you guys to actually hear their voices and see their faces? And even singing the countries of the world song. Who did that? Yeah, go. He did? When did he do that? Well, three years ago, before the pandemic, we went to Comic Palooza. Oh, yeah? And he sang it there? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Very cool. Jack, is there any tips that you want to give people if they were coming to a con? Like, what if they have food allergies or anything? Can they bring food in? Well, yes, just in case there aren't any allergy-free snacks. So please, have allergy-free that snacks handy. He's going to have a hard time, for sure. Because the uh, the kitchen is, is very r- rudimentary. At right, it was. The snacks were the snacks were pretty basic, but at the same time, they allowed you to bring in whatever. Like, I brought in, like, a Sprite and a banana and stuff like that. They don't, they don't, like, search my bag. They didn't make a big deal out of it. They were really easygoing. So for families who need to bring in snacks or bring in food, this was really good. Also, what do you think, like, price point-wise, Paul? Like, how did this kind of stack up to... to other cons this one's price for entry was kind of on par with other cons which even though it's a little smaller than other cons this year i mean it's not like we were going to quibble about price given who was on their cast roster but for the size of it it's probably a little expensive the key thing to know about your money at a con is that the talent in a small con like this, where they're needing to arrange for autographs themselves, is that they want cash. 
So that's good to remember because mostly we do cashless now, right? Everything's touch-free, well, contactless, everything. For instance, at Comic Falooza, which is Houston's largest comic con, they have like a central booking agency that is separate from Comic Palooza that you can book your pictures and your autographs from. Then you get a ticket from them and you take it to your celebrity and you exchange the ticket for the thing that you want sign. That's not how it worked here. This was you you met their volunteer, you gave them the cash. So it was table by table by table by table. So that's an important thing to remember if you guys plan to go next year, definitely look into whether you need to have a lot of cash on hand. Um, it was like $30 an autograph. Yeah, except for Rob was 40 So those are the types of things that you need to know because a lot of people aren't going to bring a bunch of cash with them and they will be greatly disappointed if they get there. Oh, yeah. I, I would like to say though that parking was free. That was nice. And it, because it was a smaller con, the parking lots were really close to the venue. They were small, and I did have to take some laps looking for people who were leaving and, and things like that. But it was really easy to manage, very walkable. I didn't think it was too much. Like if you had, um, there were people that had used wheelchairs and they didn't have any problem. It looked like getting around in terms of the spacing and in terms of accommodations. I know they took some chairs out of some different rows and stuff to make things more just easier. They were very flexible with everybody, different needs. So that was terrific. Jack and Elizabeth, give me some favorite memories that you had from Hill Country Comic Con and tell people whether you recommend they should go or not. Let's start with you, Elizabeth. Well, I remember the time when I got to meet Johnson Coleman, we just did a little catchphrase mix-up. When we did the high three-part, Johnny said California, and I accidentally said Booyaka Shaw by mistake. Then we switched again, and when he said Booyaka Shaw, I said his original catchphrase, Cowabunga. Oh, my God. Was he so, did you just call him Townie? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think she Rob did. calls that. I love that. So, Elizabeth got chummy enough with Townsend that he, she's calling him Townie now. Do you recommend that people go to this Comic-Con? Well, of course they are. Jack, how about you? You have some favorite memories and any any recommendations for this one? I got to shake Townsend Coleman's hand twice. Guys, we seem to have established quite a relationship. Wow, that's amazing. Townsend seems like he was very personable. I'm shocked that neither of you guys are really focusing on Cam Clark because I know that that was really the main draw at first, right? Well, I mean, the best memory was having to help record for him. That was so amazing. Do you have any recommendations for people about the con? Should they go? Should they not? They should go. Well, that says it all, doesn't it, Caroline? I think it absolutely does. We're going to continue on with the Murdoch murders, but we're going to let Jack and Elizabeth go. Thank you guys so much for coming on to Pop Culture Review this week. It's always been a pleasure to be here. Every member, folks, total power! Well, moving on to our coverage of the televised Murdaugh murders. This was the last week in the trial, and we got both our verdict and sentencing phase or back-to-back. Were you surprised it all happened so fast when it did? It certainly felt fast. I mean, we spent six weeks following the trial of the Murdaugh mystery murders, and I feel like we were really thinking the jury was going to take a little while to come back on this one. It finished up on a Thursday and I thought okay well surely they're going to deliberate all day Friday they're you know I think they're probably going to want to go home so we might have a verdict by the end of Friday night but instead in a total like shocker basically the defense and the the state uh, concluded their arguments and the jury left and it seemed like a blink of an eye and my sister's texting me and she's like are you seeing this and I was like seeing what and she's like the verdict is in and I was like 
No. I mean, I literally like ran through the house as I was like, this is not a drill, people. Everyone get to the TV. <laughs> and we did. We ran to the TV. What did you think about this verdict? It did not go the way I was expecting. What did you think was going to happen? I thought there'd be more people seeing some amount of reasonable doubt. Maybe not in believing that Alex or Alec, if you're from the area. Or Illick. Or Illick, if you're really <laughs> down in there. Maybe not in completely believing that he wasn't involved, but not believing the version of the story that the prosecution put forth. I think that there's some room for debate there. How high on your hinkometer did it rise when a juror was dismissed the morning of of the whole thing, the end of the whole thing. I thought it was pretty crazy, especially because the talk was that that juror was going to say not guilty, which would have led to a hung jury. So I think it's very hinky. She had to take her dozen eggs uh, that she apparently had had gotten from another juror um, who had a farm, I guess. Very awkwardly had to collect her eggs and head on out. Very odd. The whole thing was very odd. Also, it turns out one of the jurors is the brother of one of the state's witnesses. I find that hinky. So lots of weirdness going on with all of that. Again, very surprised. How about you? What did you think? Hinky? Yeah, definitely. Last day. Last day. Like last seconds before they were like going to really go and, and, and debate. These jurors had... I don't think they'd been sequestered, but they'd been, you know, holding it together this whole time. They'd been disciplined about not revealing them on camera or, you know, it, it, I think it had been a tight ship as far as the courtroom was being run by Judge Newman. And so for the last day, some anonymous person to come forward and say someone from the public. Yeah. Say, well, you know, juror number X, Y, Z is a blabbermouth and, and has been talking and uh, I just thought you ought to know here on the last day. It seemed very suspicious. And I mean, I don't know. The, the whole thing shocked me. So ultimately, if you guys don't know, he, Alex was found guilty. Two consecutive life sentences was handed down in the sentencing. It was all very like, wow, wow, this is all happening. I mean, we know that the appeals process is going to be lengthy and thorough. So I'm positive we have not seen all we're going to see of the Murdoff family. The concept that there's more to it, but he's still involved seems to just resonate in my head. Like it's almost like one of those novels or movies of the week or something where he can't say publicly what did happen. He can just honestly say that he didn't do it or to some extent. Or at right? least that the state doesn't have it right. Whatever yeah. the amount of information is, isn't right. So somehow, whether there was a second shooter, whether he wasn't actually the shooter at all, but maybe he planned it or something, don't know. But it, it, it all feels very much like I cannot wait until at some point he writes a book or does some sort of, you know, Tuesday night murder night <laughs> mystery that we can watch on TV and find out more. I don't know. But the more you find out about his character, the more you make any kind of twist plausible. You know, I agree with that. Yeah. And 
you could plot it so that he meant to kill them both. You could plot it so that he meant to kill Paul, but Maggie was collateral damage. You could probably plot it that he meant to kill Maggie, but Paul got caught up in it. You could plot it where there was a second person and it all got screwed up. And he, and for whatever reason, he can't sell out that second person. It would be worse for him than two consecutive license sentences to sell out that other person. And my very best guess is it's not that it would be worse for him if he sold out that person. It's that there's only buster left his son and you know if he if he knows he's going to go down for the 99 counts of fraud for the financial crimes then buster is the only one who's going to be left for whomever this other person or people would be to seek revenge on right so in in protecting buster perhaps he is managing to keep his lips shut for right now but i say just for right now he's a super narcissist i i don't i don't see him keeping the secret Forever and ever. I, I see something could definitely go on here. There was even talk about like, could like the cartel like fly a plane onto that property? That's nuts. It's nuts. But this is the way people are thinking. Like it's that outlandish. Yeah. Well, like I said, the more you find out about them, the more it could include things that that you wouldn't have considered before. Absolutely. Now, how that screws around with your mind though is the reasonable doubt aspect of it and his decision to testify thinking that he could he could talk his way out of it yeah that's a good thing to point out that's what a lot of people have pointed as like the thing that sunk him was that if had he never gotten on the stand had he never you know really allow his his character like in real time to be judged by the jurors that he would have had a much better chance, which is sad thing to say because apparently it was his choice to hop up there and he badly wanted to do it, but he really felt like he could convince them. And boy, I don't know. It was, it was a bad idea. Paul. <laughs> it's a bad idea. <laughs> it's funny because on TV we could see he was a mucusy mess. Correct. But you could still find comments on Twitter where people are saying, I don't buy it. He's acting. He's always been acting. Or there's no tears. Like, like he's just wiping a snotty nose, but there's no actual tears coming out of his eyes. Stuff like that was definitely a lot of the talk this week. And, you know, I don't know what to think about that. Everyone has their own ways of handling things. You know, Buster wasn't up there blubbering. Uh, neither was, you know, a lot of people. So I, I don't know exactly what to think. I... I think there's a lot more to come. I look forward to continuing to talk about this case because I think it's going to continue on for sure. The only other thing that I've been finding any consistent time and interest to watch in the past couple of weeks is this really unheralded show on Apple TV Plus called Hello Tomorrow. Okay. What's this about? So it's like if you took uh, the beginning of Mad Men, that sort of aesthetic, that sort of era. Okay. And mixed it directly with kind of Jetsons era technology, but kept in large part that late 50s aesthetic. Okay. So cars with big wings, but they float. TVs that that are tiny and really oversized, but maybe they have a round picture instead of a square picture. It, like voice to text recorders, but they work like typewriters instead of digital. You know, just things like that. It's about this guy who sells real estate. He sells dreams. He sells to the common man affordable housing on the moon, which is in this world a very 
like if it's not exclusive, then it's at least the coolest place to live. But as the series goes on, he might be full of shit. Okay. It's not that people don't live on the moon. It's maybe more like he's not selling anybody anything. Well, we've had that happen in real life, like not that far away, where people were went down to Mexico and sold land to people in Mexico only for those people to come here and find out there's no land that they purchased. They just gave someone money. So, yeah, I think that's a very real thing that uh, sounds like they've just changed the venue for this to be the moon. He's a very Don Draper kind of character where he's slick. He's, he can think quickly, but morally he's garbage. Ah. He has uh, an estranged wife and a son that he hasn't seen in nearly 20 years. And that kind of figures into the story is like he runs back into them and it's like, is he going to figure this out in a way that he can maybe have a son again? So that's an element. Hank Azaria co-stars as a person, not just a voice. And who else? The woman who played Caroline on um, Yellowstone, the recently dismissed head of market equities. Uh, mm. She she plays uh, a character in the show. So you, there's, there's some familiar faces here and there. It's a quirky little show that I maybe don't love the story 100%, but I do love the aesthetic and just watching the production design and all the cool ideas that they have in terms of this future that didn't and couldn't ever happen the way that they have it anyway. I'd, I'd probably recommend it to certain of my nerdier friends. Well, who? Like, so you have to be a nerd to enjoy or what? Because mm, I really enjoy the Don Draper of it all. So is that Well, there are some people just enough? thrown off by science fiction in general, but that's just more like this: the cool aesthetic. The story is really the father trying to find a way back into his son's life. Okay, well, that's very relatable for for a lot of people, family drama, stuff going on with relationships. So definitely seems like one to check out. When can people go see it? It is currently available. It is still dropping fresh episodes on Apple TV+. Plus. I think the last one will be out on the 10th of March. Okay. So it's not a very long series like most Apple TV Pluses are not huge. That's the only one I've been watching in addition to uh, true crime catch-ups on the Murdaugh <laughs> uh, mysteries. You know, I rewatched recently and I am really, really a high recommendation on this one. It is stand-up comedian. His his name is Shang Wang, which, which you spell like S-H-E-N-G-W-E-N-G. Definitely recommend going check it out. The actual title of this special is called Sweet and Juicy. And uh, if you know Ali Wong, it was produced by her and directed by her, I believe, as well. Um, and, way cleaner than her. Oh, my God, though. It is it is way cleaner. It is so funny. His bit about Costco pants, I mean, about eye cream. There, I mean, there's so much there that is so freaking relatable. It is so hilarious. I cannot possibly – I was thinking about this because I watch a lot of stand-up comedy – it is so difficult to critique it in some way because all I can tell you is that I was laughing my butt off the entire time. It's the type of comedy that's observational, but it is like, I don't even know how he hits these really niche little uh, comments, but it like hit my heart. I mean, it was like, you are looking in my window, sir. Like, you know, my life, my soul. So freaking funny. I love it. You can check it out on Netflix. Really funny. Please do not miss it because he's worth it. And if he comes to your town, I'm telling you, I am waiting for tickets because I will absolutely go see his show live. What I like about his special 
above a lot of other specials that kind of reminds me of Nate Bargatze, which is just that with a lot of comics, they go over the same tired comic tropes. Yes. You know, how much alcohol impacts their life. Or weed or, or whatever. Or drugs. Whatever their take is on the opposite gender to them and their dealings with that gender. That defines whole acts for... Whole careers. A lot of comics. Yeah. But these two guys, but since we're talking about Shang, we'll talk about Shang. They don't bother touching much of that. So that's what stands out. And, and they don't need to rely on um, shock or... And it's not like I'm preaching in favor of completely clean, family-friendly shows. It's more like I'm so surprised when someone can pull that off without needing to hit some buzzwords that I know are funny. When I hear someone say shit, I always just smile a little bit like in the context. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> they used to the word shit. But they don't need it. They, they And they are still hilarious without it. And, and it's such everyday stuff. And it's, it's kind of Seinfeldy in that it is everyday stuff. But it's like the things that he picked out are so specific to like suburbia, I want, I want to say in some way. And like, I mean, talking about mammograms, talking about the expensive eye creams and, and how you put it on and everything. I mean, it was all just, it was like crazy how much I felt like he was like in everyone's brains. Like, like I have watched it with a couple of different people and from all different walks of life, all different times of life, all that kind of stuff. And everyone found something in it that was like, oh my God, that is so me. It's so funny. I can so relate. Really funny. You guys should absolutely go check it out. Since we had so much con coverage this week, I and so much focus. We did. We had a lot of preparation on going to the on con. The con. I didn't have much time to look at, you know, news, what's coming next. Absolutely. This episode, I think, was was going to be all about the con. And we hope you guys get a chance to go check out Hill Country Comic Con because although it's small, it was really fun and really cute. Yeah. And go check out some stand-up comedy. I, to me, these days, I feel like when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I want to do is watch a little stand-up because it puts me in a good mood. It makes me happy. It makes me, like, hop out of bed with, like, a good attitude. Highly recommend. This has been the week of February 26th to March 4th, 2023. And we hope you guys have enjoyed listening to our wacky antics. You guys can check us out over on Pod Clubhouse, over on Instagram or Facebook or our actual website, podclubhouse.com. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave us a five-star review so that other people can find the podcast as well. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.